So good morning, everybody, or good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the final MotoGP podcast, Last on the Breaks, of 2022. I keep saying 2023 because that's what we're sprinting <laughs> into on track already. Well, no, it's still 2022. And as you can all see, I'm from Wild. Co-host Elliot York is back. We're back doing it digital. And we have the most special guest of all returning <laughs> to debrief. The incredible season and the test that we just saw, Simon Crafar, our 500 Grand Prix winner and pit lane reporter extraordinaire. How are you, Simon? We'll start with the easy question first. All good? Yeah, really good. <laughs> I needed yesterday to recover. I was fried. You know, after <laughs> glad you said the weekend, fried. The live, <laughs> the, the live all day on Tuesday and the big drive home that evening uh, back to Andorra. I, I, yeah, I was, you know how it is when you finally stop, I really stopped and uh, brain, I couldn't have done this yesterday, not well anyway, um, but feeling much better today. Good, good to hear it. And uh, yeah, we're delighted to have you back. Your episode was one of the most popular of those in the first half of the season as well. So everyone loves you. Um, but there's so much nice to talk to about as well. And um, yeah, I don't know, where do you want to start, I guess? Looking at the season and the test, the obvious place to start that almost is a bit of a formality to tick them off because of how impressive they have been. Peco, Ducati, it's a lot of the grid, but it's also going so well. There's not that much drama to talk about. So, yeah, what what did you see on track at the test after an amazing season that saw them do that triple crown? Okay. Um, I mean, they the bikes that I saw in the factory Ducati garage were shiny new, meaning uh, they were obviously built from brand new parts, starting with a new bike, you know? And um, then you go to the satellite Ducati garages, you know, the VR46 and also uh, Grassini garages, and they were also, and uh, Pramac as well, they were bikes that had been used, you know, so um, either passed on from the factory garage, you know, Grissini and uh, and uh, VR46, that, that was happening. But also with the Pramac ones, it was clear to me that, uh, yeah, they would have had updated engines, but the bikes they were using were the same. So I was really looking at parts that were changing like you could see things in the Pramac garage getting tried especially Joan Zarco you know the uh, Aprilia style um, big ground effects mm. belly pan you know they made it really easy for us to see because it was painted in that uh, camouflage gray and white that you see <laughs> the new vehicles getting tested in uh, apparently it's hard to take photos of and see the shape but it was pretty easy for us to spot and uh <laughs> It's things like that, but the Ducati, brand new Ducatis were, um, they were happy uh, with the engine update. I spoke to Tardozzi and he was saying that they, as always, step by step at these tests, try different parts, confirm them. They'll work on one area, confirm that. I imagine engine is the place to start, you know, because that needs to be homologated and can't be changed throughout the season. So you've got to get that right at the beginning, um, you know, Porto Mayo. And so that's, I think, the, where they have started. 
the reports I'm told is they are happy, no complaints, um, they're still working. The other thing that was interesting in Ducati Garage was aero, like um, quite different, smaller. Like if you at first glance, it didn't look different, but it was smaller, slightly different shape, the whole front fairing. And uh, Pico, when asked about it, said he was buffeted a little bit more with the wind uh, because he's less protected because it was smaller. You could see around the hands and that it was all narrow and a little bit further forward. Um, the the shape as it dropped down at the front, but tank sort of height, a little bit lower. Where those side pod wings are, it was quite a different shape in there. He said, although he got a bit buffeted from wind, uh, less protected was the word he used. Um, he liked it in the corners and that. So, but Valencia is a very tight track, so uh, they need more data <laughs> and he, they need to look at it to see how much top speed they lose, you know. Uh, but in the turns, it's better. So it sounds like they've at least got something to try at the other tracks. Yeah, for sure. The engines is something that has been a hot talking point throughout the year, especially with Yamaha. But when I spoke to Jorge Martin after the test or during the test, he said the engine feels like a big step forward or a good step forward. Um, so that's not good news if you're the other competitors, because I know Alicia Spargo and Fabio in particular, well, Yamaha in particular, have, well, we'll move on to Yamaha shortly, but the engines, yeah, is a, is a massive topic because from what we know, Yamaha had a very weird test with their engine. Um, but is there anything else interesting that you saw with Ducati side? Because obviously they were the triple crown winners, won the constructors, the riders title, the teams championship had the best bike on the grids, and they've sounds like they've had a very positive Valencia test as well. Yeah, the thing is, um, not exciting standout stuff. I mean, the bike is already the bike to be on, you know, and uh, they're not <laughs> yeah. going to stray far from that. It's going to be little updates, you know. If the engine is another step forward, that's really bad news. Um, I, I'm not <laughs> surprised that it is. They've had all year to work on the, you know, the one they've got. The, uh, the guys yeah. on the dyno back at the factory, they'll be working on that. Um, and they know they have to make the delivery smooth uh, because that was the the hiccup with the 22 machine before, you know what I'm saying, beginning of the season. Um, power yeah. delivery. Uh, the thing is, you can guarantee that they're going to make another step forward, you know, a little <laughs> bit step forward with the engine, little step forward with the aero. Uh, and that's not good news for the rest because uh, that's even, you know, widening the gap. And uh, But there was nothing standout. I mean, they're already in a fantastic position. So little steps on everything is the aim, you know, they're not going to stray far from that. Even chassis-wise, I couldn't tell any difference from what they've been using. Um, uh, you know, the rest of the bodywork, apart from that fairing, I should say that Pico said he preferred the normal belly pan with that uh, down ground effects like scoop um, than the wide Aprilia style one I said was in okay. camouflage. But really, that was it. And I'm not surprised they'll be making a little headway in all areas. They will. And like you said, yeah, maybe some bad news for their competitors. Although I would echo what Davide Tardotsi told us in, was it Sepang, 
that uh, they'll supply whoever asks. So uh, <laughs> other manufacturers need to uh, <laughs> try and bring those satellite teams and presences back to the grid. But okay, well, Ducati, I mean, it was an incredible season for them, wasn't it? And also, like, the big thing that I took away from what Todd Otzi said about Peko's season was that they made mistakes as well in pre-season last year and they didn't give him the bike that he needed and you can see that in those first few races of the year and then once he was on it okay there's a couple of mistakes like Germany and obviously Mategi big one there um but if they can give him what he needs what are your thoughts on the start of next year and we have to ask the beast is in red <laughs> what are your thoughts on uh, on Banyaya Bastianini next year yeah okay the, regarding the ducati um i think they don't well, it's become clear i'm not surprised about this either that they're not just winning in acceleration you know in top speed uh, but they've got an advantage on deceleration you know stopping the bike and when they can get the bike set up that the rear stays on the ground you know they having rear contact that however they do it i don't know but they the engine brake management the electronics all of that the, how they do it the clutch is awesome that it helps the bike slow down you know and uh so it's good at scrubbing off speed quickly and it's good at still scrubbing off speed at an angle and that management helps take weight off the front tire so you're not pushing that front on the way in and the others are, I think, playing catch up in that area as well. Uh, so, yeah, let's move on to the riders. You were saying, um, well, Ducati made a mistake. You're right with that 22 engine, you know, when they, like I just mentioned earlier, it wasn't delivering the power smoothly. Then everyone on Ducati was, you know, this is especially in Malaysia, Indonesia test changing the setting of the bike a bit more rear bias to try and get it to hook up but as we know motorcycles if you change them in one area it affects others and that problem with all of them scratching their heads working with electronic settings bike set up to try and fix that um, that together with that front right height device which i'm not at all surprised that that fried the brains of a few riders <laughs> that I mean, riders notice two millimeters with of front height, you know, one millimeter. You you see them in qualifying go stick one turn a preload on, and riders have always done that in history, you know, try and find a little bit. They feel one millimeter. One turn is one millimeter, <laughs> and you're talking about the front ride height changing thirty times that maybe, you know, twenty five thirty. <laughs> I mean, that has got to affect the rider's brain a lot, you know, and quickly they were all taken off pretty early on. Uh, Pramac bikes kept them a bit longer. Uh, Joe and Zarko persevered for most of the year, then towards the end, got rid of it, can't use it next year. Uh, he was saying they didn't see a clear advantage to having it, so focused on other things. Um, I think all of this helped upset the start of Pico's year. You know, and not just Pico, a few of the others as well. And um, the Beast didn't have to contend with all that, all that because he was on a 21 bike that had none of those problems. You know, it was already a well-proven bike. And it's not the first time 
it's been good to start the season on the satellite bike, you know. Even when I was riding, I came across the same thing. The, the factory would veer off the wrong direction sometimes. Really easy to do when you're trying to improve. Uh, so I think that Ducati won't make that mistake twice. I think the start of next year, they know that happened. They won't do it again, I'm sure of it. So I think um, all, I mean, the rest of the Ducati riders are on the best spec of 22 that's engine uh, yeah. aero chassis everything so that's a good bike you know what Pecco and jack finished the season on then um or at least Pecco anyway we don't know if Pecco got some little updates um uh, and jack didn't towards the end which often happens if a uh, rider is leaving the manufacturer but he uh, tadozzi confirmed the best spec the, the the last spec of the 22 bike is what all of the satellite Ducatis be, be running. And then the factory bikes will take another step again. You know, they're playing with this new aero, playing with the um, uh, the new engine update, which sounds like it's a little bit better. And I'm sure that it'll hit the ground running this time. They won't make the same mistake as last uh, this year. Did you said after his test on the GP22 that it was the best day of his MotoGP career? Obviously, he had a pretty difficult time of things in his rookie campaign. And from the outside, it doesn't seem like there was a huge difference from the GP21 to the GP22. But clearly, there's actually quite a big step forward with it because Digi was like, I've never seen him so happy. He's obviously quite a smiley guy anyway, but he was, yeah, really singing the praises of it. And Alex Marquez as well, stepping off the Honda onto the Ducati. He was obviously very, very pleased as well. He got on with it really well, said it was one of his best MotoGP tests. And I think he was quicker, or he said he did some lap times that were quicker than he did throughout the weekend on the Honda. So after being on the Ducati for literally a few hours, he was already quicker than he was on the Honda. So that that tells how much of a step the GP22 was from the GP21 and also how good that bike is as well. I'm surprised um, because, for example, Anaya uh, downplayed the step. You know what I mean? For, mm-hmm. Anaya seemed rather happy. It was reading between the lines, listening to DG's debriefs recently, it sounds like they've had a few glitches, you know, whether it was something wrong with the bike, you know. He wouldn't say what it was, but. You know, your bike could be bent, you're, you know, something's not right with it. And I get the impression that there was something like that going on with uh, DG's side of the garage because later on they said they found this. He wouldn't say what it was. So, um, and they has been more happy, you know, and, you know, he's possibly getting a little bit more support being the factory rider for the next year. Anyway, uh, it sounds like the new bike rolled into the garage for for DG, uh, Fabio <laughs> to Genitonio fixed all his problems. So good for him. Yeah. He's got, oh, I'm sure he'll hit the ground um, running. Uh, and they, uh, like I said, downplayed the difference a little bit. He said, yeah, it's better. And it's the staff around you. And that's different. But he didn't say there was a massive step in, in the bike. You know, um, he admitted there was a step forward, but not huge. Uh, Alex Marquez. I mean, imagine the step. He he wasn't allowed <laughs> to compare because there was still contractual uh, yeah, obligations yeah. there, and he wasn't allowed to compare 
what was going on, which is fair enough. Uh, but you could see he was doing his best to hide <laughs> how happy he was, you know, to be yeah. respectful. But he, I mean, you could see. I mean, I've I've had a play on that bike, and I totally understand it makes the job easier at least till a certain level it's wonderful it does everything and i'm sure that's what he experienced he got on and just went wow this just does everything you know <laughs> and uh i have been since since hearing he's going to get on the ducati i've been a little bit excited about what we'll see from yeah. alex marquez this year because uh, there's very few riders that can force a bike that doesn't want to do something to do something and the clear ones are you know out there are mark marquez uh, fabio and brad binder you know those guys can do that but it's not normal and it's not common <laughs> most riders to get that level and to go the same speed they, they literally can go that same speed but they need the bike to, to help them do it as well you know and uh I think Alex is obviously one of those guys. I think with the right bike, he's going to be right there reasonably often in 2023. I really do. Cool. Well, yeah, I mean, certainly we've had some fun debates about this with uh, him versus a uh, world superbike rider of who's your favourite. <laughs> and there's a few of us who think that uh, Alex will feature fairly highly next year as well on the Ducati. Um, but, okay, you've you've offered up the perfect segue there then. I was like, where do I go next? But I think we should go to KTM and the aforementioned Brad Binder. Obviously, incredible podium to end the season. They seemed fairly happy. The task that was sort of figure out what actually works and take the step back with things that don't and get back to basics before we build up again seems to have gone all right this season. They've obviously now lost Miguel, which does seem like a loss based on where he ended on the timesheets on the Aprilia. <laughs> but they have, of course, gained Jack Miller, which is a big gain. Also an interesting one in that obviously Alex Marquez, he's going from the Honda to the Ducati not as useful for the uh, receiving factory. Jack Miller, however, comes from the best bike on the grid uh, and quite a long time on it as well. Do you think that's going to be really valuable to KTM as well? And what did you make of KTM's test? Okay, um, let's start with what you said about Jack jumping on and how val valuable that is, because I noticed something at the test that I thought was quite interesting. Um, I looked in all garages to see where they were starting the test. And most riders who were staying with that manufacturer uh, started the test to get up to speed on their normal bike, which totally makes sense. You get up to speed on your normal bike in case temperature or something makes something. You have your base, you know, go, right, that's my normal bike. That's what it feels like. Now we'll ride that and see where it is, you know, whether it's better or, and then you get a really clear feedback. Um, and the majority of riders that changed brands started on the base machine, uh, not on the prototype, if that makes sense, you know, get them up to speed uh, on the base machine and then say, hey, is this any better? Give them the prototype, see what the feedback is. Totally makes sense. KTM did something quite the opposite. And I also understand why I explained they <laughs> put Jack straight on 
their prototype for next year because um this is my opinion when a rider is used to riding one bike you know the ducati they only have one shot to compare with his fresh memories from the ducati uh, to compare what uh, that is like compared to that and what did they want the info on you know so they've given it away by rolling them out on the on the prototype that's what they want the info where are we you know that's you've just got off the Ducati 22 machine <laughs> what's our prototype like and where is its weaknesses and because you only get that first run and a little bit of the second one maybe you know um because humans you start to adapt straight away and then your memories start getting blurred and forgotten and you you just go with what you've got and try to go forward you know and so they've used that first run or first run one or two runs of jack on the new bike to get the information they wanted you know because it's never going to be the same again you know it'll be blurred from then on and uh we didn't we don't know what they what he said but uh <laughs> i thought that was a really interesting approach uh so let's go to ktm uh, what they've been up to lately and you, you bang on when you say that Fran how this year must have been quite hard and frustrating uh, because their approach was for the future and from the beginning of the season they said we're just gonna go through and it was quite obvious that they didn't have lots of hardware like the previous years they were the winners of um the volume of new hardware always you know <laughs> new things were coming all the time and they admitted to being unsure getting a bit lost and not having all the data on the equipment they had already so they spent this whole year and it must have been a bit frustrating frustrating for riders but whole year squeezing every last ounce <laughs> out of what they've got <laughs> and it must have been quite frustrating but at the same time it looks like it's paid off the approach because um, they they have squeezed more out of what they've got and they've uh, meaning I think everything because the, the Miguel and Brad fantastic writers and they just kept trying and trying you know what I'm saying with setups and settings and trying to get everything they could out of what they had now they turned up they obviously got a direction what they needed they was really clear what they needed brad always talked about uh turn lack of turning and edge and drive grip you know too easy to spin off the turn they're losing drive and they turned up with a chassis ran it in fp1 you know they had one of each and brad at fp3 so overnight both bikes had those chassis on he went with it and he said that they lost a little bit front feel and it was stopping ability and front feel going into the turn but gained a heap of rear grip you know driving off the corner and brad put it to good use didn't he straight away <laughs> i mean he's been saying give me something give me something i've got everything i can out of this but i need a step forward somewhere you know and they did it and he showed it you know he put it to good use straight away um then at the test we saw i thought was 
the prototype bike with that same chassis because it had some of the same features, well, all of the same features. Um, but apparently it was slightly different again, like a, another evolution, you know, or a different direction. And um, obviously those chassis were already built and they wanted them all to be tested. Brad confirmed that it was much better on entry. Uh, he said easier to ride, better turning. So it sounds like he's really happy with the front of the bike for the first time I've ever heard, uh, you know, this sort of feedback, real happy with the front of it, but it lost that drive, you know, advantage, <laughs> rear grip and drive off the corner. So KTM right now have a chassis that does one thing really well <laughs> and the other thing really well. But the exciting thing is it's only a matter of time. Now they know what does that. It's only a matter of time before they make <laughs> the combination or, or the, what do you call it? The compromise between those yeah, two, yeah. you know, uh, I think they've at least got the info. Does that make sense? And, uh, it, that's why it's so we can talk about aero and everything else that, um, Brad tested and sorry, and Jack and Paul. They all tested the new Aero, the new the, the 23 prototype bike, which would have had an updated engine as well, and this chassis. And it's the first sign to me, and I've been really curious about this for 12 months <laughs> or more, which of these giants, Honda and Kawasaki, uh, sorry, Honda and KTM, <laughs> there's a K in there, K in there and I went Breaking up the Honda, <laughs> Honda and KTM, which of them is going to get out of that hole first, you know, because yeah. they've got so relatively Simon's similar calling bikes. it for KTM. It is, well, it's clear that KTM yeah, are go, moving forward, you know, it is very clear. And uh, so, yeah, exciting stuff. So let's just run That's, through otherwise. The okay, arrow yeah. they had on there, they had a couple of different arrow things, and they also had a Aprilia style wide. Uh, ground effects style belly pan. Um, they had some big new wings on the front that kind of along the same shape, but protruding out the front of the bike more. Uh, they're clearly bigger, like would give it more. Um, Even I could tell with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I, I don't know anything about aero, but it looked like that's going to give you some more. Uh, the prototype bike also had different seat unit tail unit you know yeah. so yeah this whole thing together brad said he liked it uh but it still needs some tweaks so it sounds like again they've made a step forward but we need to they've probably lost somewhere at something in some other area maybe top speed with all that doubt. who knows but um uh from what i took from brad's debrief it did help wheelie area but maybe not somewhere else so again they've got another direction that they'll be working on and all of this aero work that ktm are doing uh the team manager francesco guidotti confirmed that this is ktm it's not yet the first versions of um red bull um what is their then, name then the new, uh, yeah the formula one guys that I saw in the garage at Silverstone, um, have been who are working on the the Aero for for Red Bull KTM. Um, they, they haven't received the first stuff yet, so I imagine in February we're going to see that first stuff compared 
to um, you know the KTM's newest version. So they look like they're going forward, and yet that's... and again they're working on the engine, and so uh, that's going to take a step forward again. I, I'm a little bit excited about KTM's progress. I've always said they're they're close. It's just they need some more, and it looks like they're going to make a step in all areas. I really I think that at the beginning of 23, I said beginning of this. Well, when we first heard about pole coming home, um, I thought we, we should say for right. our for our friends at Gas Gas. Technically, he's not coming home. Sorry, he's gone to Gas Gas, but. <laughs> The machinery, of course, is the same, but they will be scoring all this, their own. All this talk about points. coming home, it's the World Cup, so I'm getting excited. <laughs> <laughs> so, football, guys, just to throw in quickly, football. I think it's sad for the rookies of this year, you know, because their timing wasn't right, you know, for them to get the most out of their first year in MotoGP. And, and that was sad. Uh, career changing, sad. Uh, but. The KTM riders from here might have timed it right. That's my gut feeling. Okay, well, where do we go off now? Because you've given us two segues there. Oh, sorry, Elliot, you go, you go. Yeah, I I just want to big up Brad Binder a little bit more for his 2022 campaign. Because, obviously, I know as we all love him, most people do love him because if KTM can find that a couple of attempts to half a second that they need for our weekend, then... He's going to be a title contender for sure. I mean, his race in Valencia was unbelievable to come from trying to pass Peco for a good few laps. He said he lost a lot of time. He was obviously being a little bit cautious because it was Peco to finish just three tenths off the win. Um, and I was looking today, chatting with Fran for the podcast. He finished closer to Aleish in the championship than Aleish did to Peco. And obviously we were talking about Aleish being a title contender for so long. I think with the KTM he had this year, it was strong in some parts, but for a lot of it, it was very inconsistent. I just want to shout out to Brad Binder, basically, <laughs> and be a bit of a fanboy because he's he was, had an he unbelievable year. He was just year. one point off Jack. He yeah, was exactly. one point off finishing the year in the top five. Uh, and he had those two podiums. Obviously, we've seen him win races before as well. But it's just like, imagine... In, an, mm-hmm. in the most excited voice you can. Oh, what I want to see is like just a two-person race of <laughs> Brad on the best KTM possible and Mark on the best Honda possible. And I just want to see how much stuff is left on the bike by the time they cross the finish <laughs> line because they both race so wonderfully brutally. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so yeah, shout out to Brad. Where the should we go is... now? We can go. Sorry, go Simon. Well, the thing is, the thing is with Brad and like you said about. Uh, Mark and Fabio. That's why I go to those three. Mm-hmm. You can guarantee they wring everything out of what they have, yeah. which is fantastic. It's why we admire them. I think that's why you admire them. Oh, why why yeah. you admire Brad Elliot? You know why you said what you did for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. We just yeah, just chapeau with where he ended the season <laughs> with the not. I mean, it's not by far a really bad bike or the worst bike on the grid but it was obviously a year where they were it was mainly qualifying wasn't it yeah but it was obviously a season where they themselves recognized at the start of it like right this is just like let's take a breath uh so to have still ended up so far up in the in the standings and have those performances is pretty epic so i don't know where should we go now like aprilia and miguel or this honda 
Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go, <laughs> the, weak, no, no, the weakness of the KTM, uh, the lack of turning in the middle and the drive, it's spinning up, you know, off the corner. He's been battling with that the whole season and, and you need that drive grip to get the lap time, you know, uh, for qualifying. So he's been starting fair way back. And when he didn't start fair way back, he was right there. And when he started fair way back, he still marched forward. So, yeah, <laughs> big uh, admiration for what Brad sees. In. And like yeah. I said, timing this year, we might get to see uh, what he can really do. That's Sorry. exciting what, times. We go, do, where are we going but... next? No. Well, yeah, there's two obvious segues. I think for now, should we go with Miguel and follow him into his future? Aprilia, like we said, bit of a damp squib at the end for Maverick having really not so many points in the last few races and then Aleish really dropping off in the championship fight as well and in the fourth overall in the end. But they do now have Miguel and Raul and Miguel for sure stole, certainly stole my headline or part of it uh, for the uh, <laughs> test report because he was fourth straight out the box. What do we make of that? What do we make of the end of the season for Aprilia? It was a bit of a challenging one. What do you, what do you see for next season from them? You can have a rough guide on times at a test meaning um you know if they're right at the back struggling you know something's wrong uh if they are crazy fast you know they're very happy you know but <laughs> in general i don't take much time much uh, influence you know much uh, notice of the times at a test because you're always going to get some people who uh, are just working on something and they need the race pace to go around. They never put a, a soft tire in and have an attack. Mark, for example, a couple of others. So it's hard to take anything from lap times at the test, but it's clear to see um, the people who were comfy straight away on their bikes, you know, Alex Marquez and um, also Miguel Oliveira, they, they were comfy pretty quickly, weren't they? And got, you know, <laughs> got up to speed. And I've uh, been ranting about Miguel for a while uh, that no, he's not a Binder or Marquez where they'll squeeze something out, force a bike to do something it doesn't want to do. Uh, but uh, I would, I mean, this is a quite crazy likeness, you know, that I, I'm going to make, but I relate him to more something like um, Lorenzo, where he can just do beautiful, consistent times so fast when things are right, you know? And that's why I'm a bit excited about him getting on the Aprilia. And even though the timing, he might have missed the K best of the KTM coming, um, that I think that a lot of circuits they're probably is going to be close and we'll see Miguel do something special like we know he can, you know? Um, so yeah, Aprilia getting a little bit lost uh, at the end of the season, the flyaways and Sepang, which there's no excuse really to get lost there because we do the preseason test there. They've got data on their bike there um, where there was an excuse at the other flyaways. Uh, it's, I asked Massimo Rivola about that during the test, and he said that basically, yeah, they need to work in some areas if they're going to have a chance to fight um, for the championship. You know, like they showed they can, 
for so much mm. of the season. And uh, I think it's kind of makes sense. They've got the least experience of doing that of any of the manufacturers, you know, um, because, yeah, KTM's newer to the sport, but uh, Aprilia is newer to the front, aren't they? You know, <laughs> and uh, it, it seemed like some, the two obvious ones that I saw Aprilia struggle with was, it looked like electronics, like meaning a few uh, elect problems, you know, like human error in there as well as uh, not finding the right electronic setting for the race, you know, like either too cautious, you know, trying to like at Phillip Island, we saw both riders saying the thing's not going forward because of the electronics holding it back, trying to get that rear tire to last the race, which is a problem in Phillip Island. And then we saw them, the other one we saw was struggling with the harder construction, you know, or the heat kind of proof construction that they use it like Thailand and Austria. I think I saw my wife coming home. Um, <laughs> I was going to say. Oh, that it was my son. Either that or be you're being son. robbed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Someone ringing the doorbell. Sorry, guys. So, oh, no. It's my son. <laughs> yeah, my wife doesn't look like that. <laughs> hey, buddy. Um, so, yeah, we saw them struggle with that different rear tyre, you know, to get the most out of it. They were trying different bike settings and electronic settings, which we can't see but they never quite got it there. They did a pretty good job of fighting back in Austria, but at Thailand, it just didn't work for either rider. So they would have learned from that and hopefully they sort it for next year because the bike's really close, isn't it? It was, they did an amazing job, just fell off at the end and quite sad to see that. But uh, at least they're starting with the next year with something that they know works. They've got to just, fine tune and get some strengths in, in a couple of different areas, but they're close. close. I would say they're the second, they're in second position bike wise, you know, at the end of 22, which is something to be proud of. You know, that's what I think. It was a shame of just how far they dropped off, wasn't it? Cause obviously Alesha was in the title fight all the way until uh, they headed to Sepang, was it? Um, obviously yeah, Maverick had that. a really good Sepang. middle stint with three podiums in four races. And then just the, the sudden drop-off, I know there was a couple of mistakes, human error in Japan for Aleish. Um, but I think it just marred the season a bit. And you could tell Aleish's body language, even in Valencia, especially after the test as well. I thought he'd be a little bit more up for it, but I think they'd just been sapped of all energy because of the way they'd dropped off. Um, but I think you're right, so si. I think they do have the, the second best package base package heading into 2023 and it's just a shame that Miguel contract contractually that's the right word um couldn't say much about his debut on the Aprilia uh because that would have been really interesting I, I got told before the interview you can't ask about comparing it to the KTM uh, which was a shame because obviously that's what everyone wants to know but yeah he obviously got on really well the, with it and Raul also said whispers, that he was really happy yeah go on. the whispers I'd heard uh from the KTM riders who got onto the Aprilia was um, stability, you know, like mm -hmm. how planted the thing was. I mean, I only got one flying lap on it, but I had Magello, but <laughs> that is the first thing I noticed. The thing is, yeah. the you know, with that arrow, how <laughs> it works, and also how smooth it is, 
and I agree um, with that, with my first impression. I know it was at a lot, lot slower speed, but Aprilia made a step, uh, and Paolo Bonora uh, told me about this, I think it was on a tech talk, how they, they got the connection of the throttle uh, to give the rider confidence, you know, the, the rider feel with that initial touch of the throttle. And I so can relate to that because as a rider, if you don't have a good connection with the initial part of the throttle, you wait to try to feel where it is before you open harder. And if that gives you a good feeling straight away and you know where it is, there's no delay. You go. You, does that make sense? You're not yeah, hesitating. And um, they think they improved the, their bike in that area and also uh, talk delivery, you know, the way it delivers the power so it doesn't uh, break grip. And uh, so for me, uh, Aprilia's strengths are their aero package, uh, which obviously works with chassis, together with chassis, to have stability and because uh, it won't turn without the right geometry. And uh, so aero package, chassis and power connection and delivery, I think they've made some great progress in that area. And that'll be what those, uh, you know, Raul and uh, Oliver will be feeling. Wilco Zielenberg said that it was so much more agile as well. Obviously, Miguel and he didn't say specifically that's what they said, but he said himself. Obviously, they're getting used to the new Aprilia. He said it was, yeah, it was so small, the fuel tank so small, and it's just such an agile motorcycle. So obviously, that's something that Miguel and Raul were really pleased about as well, which is interesting. So the tech talk I did, the final one of the season, was with Paolo Bonora, and one of the things he said in there was uh, going for a uh, wider V, so they've gone from something narrower, he wouldn't confirm. I thought it was 72 or something like this I'd heard in the past, but um, a narrower V to, um, it's only two cylinders, so I'll make it two, um, to a wider one was there's more room between the V to get all the airbox and everything in there, make the tank smaller on top of the airbox, get the rider lower, and mm. that adds up to a smaller frontal area, less uh, drag, you know, pushing less air, yeah. faster top speed. How wild is that? So, yeah, yeah they've made some amazing steps forward, and I think it's just finishing off that package. That's my honest opinion. It's just finishing off because the thing's good. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's shown that already in so many races this year. It's won a race as well. Um, but okay, so we've got two obvious elephants remaining in our debrief room, both from Japan. <laughs> uh, one is Yamaha. Should we start with Yamaha? Um, sure. Because now, now we've got two Yamahas on the grid next season. We have Fabio, who obviously, like we've said already, incredible rider, incredible season this year as well. Runner-up, no mean feat. And Franco, we should talk a little bit about as well. But what did you make of Fabio's comments after the test? And like we touched on briefly earlier, it sounded like their new engine had seemed much better on previous tests. And then in Valencia, it's like, mm, actually, is this any further forward? Um, so, yeah, what did you make of that kind of debrief? I feel so sorry for Fabio. <laughs> <laughs> He's been waiting all year. No, the last two years, you know, to go this is my 20, you know, my new fast engine. Um, and the crazy thing was him and Franco, he and Franco uh, said that it was no faster. It was the same speed. And 
to me, it's impossible. It's impossible because, uh, yeah, we'll start with the engine. Like they first tested at Catalonia. They tested at Mazzano tests. I mean, straight, he was so happy there. It's straight. We could all see it was faster. Um, both of those tests have got data showing the bike is faster, the engine's faster. Then they made an upgrade to that engine with the time they've had between Mazzano and now. Carl tested it and Harith said his, his quote words were, it's a rocket, you know, <laughs> uh, that came, that came from Mayo Mirigali, you know, when I asked yeah. him on the live and it wasn't, it was the same thing, you know, <laughs> which to me is impossible. But how is this possible? Impossible. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's, so, that's right. so, so to me, uh, it's been a long year. Everybody's tired. <laughs> There's got to be some sort of human error in there somewhere that, uh, like, and it's probably I know not that they'll human be error going through. And Cal. No, 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 no. They're going to know what they wise. tested and what they felt coming from the bike. So there's it's... something at Valencia. I believe, and I also hope for the Yamaha riders' sake, uh, that the bike is faster. They've found something. I mean, they've even got dyno runs in that to show it was even better than them. You know, they've got two steps. It has to be some human error, like meaning uh, sitting on the laptop that something uploaded is holding the bike back because it's not the right setting in there, or the engine labels were wrong and they put the wrong engines in there. That's, you know? that's what like I like went through my head, but like surely not. Surely they couldn't have done that. I know, surely but not, but there is something. Um, I mean, I was trying to find out at the end of the test and you know, nobody is allowed to tell me, but even the look on their faces was like, we don't know, you know? Yeah. So right now you can guarantee that they're going through everything to find what it was. And then they can reassure their riders because I think that's really important to be able yeah. to early as possible, reassure Fabio. We found it. <laughs> oh man, it was this, <laughs> you know, because yeah. He also he tweeted and... like basically we need more thanks uh, or whatever. I mean it was a photo of him I think celebrating, but the caption was very much like "Hi Yamaha, thank you, bye." Hope, <laughs> um, so definitely wanting like a bit that, yeah. more. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I put I, I said it out loud on the live that I I um was sure that Fabio was going to be smoking at the test and fastest at the end of it. I predicted that because I expected him to get that engine and be so happy, you know, big smile on his face. We know. And when you're like happy like that, look, show everyone <laughs> what it can do, you know? Um, and that didn't happen. And I'm super sad for him, you know, because he's been waiting for it and trying to keep his head up all season. And he did such a good job of it. He needed that little, uplift anyway we've raved yeah. enough about that but you and you now know what i think and i think it'll come out you know it'll come out there'll be something okay interesting that so right. that is a little bit of hope though for those yamaha fans or fabio fans who ended tuesday night crying into their napkins uh but yeah. let's... <laughs> and let's not forget to run through what else yamaha had there uh so yeah, they had some sparkling new chassis one for each rider uh franco and fabio Franco was really happy with it. He said, well, it's a step in the area that I like and the entry and, and a little bit turning and feel, front feel. 
that I believe they lost at the end of 2019 machine, you know, when the 20 came in. So just for the people that like the tech stuff, beginning of 20, they tried to make the bike go faster. They did, they got a bit more power, but part of the way they did that was the air intake at the front of the bike. It's, I'm not quite doing it right, but anyway, the air intake at the front of the bike went straight through the steering head, like all the bikes do now. Ducati, I think, were the one of the first to do that, and they were having success with that. So basically, the, the air is getting funneled straight in the front of the bike, straight through the steering head area, into the airbox, into the engine, you know? No ducking around somewhere else. And, and the engine that the 2020 Yamaha had to make all that airbox and everything work didn't even bolt in the 19 chassis. So they started with a new era of bike, you know, um, and even though it was based on the one, the previous one, you know, that bike never handled the same as a 2019 bike. I think, you know, going on rider comment where they struggled, everyone loved the 16 when it came out, 2016 to 2019. Everyone liked it. Everyone rode it quick, uh, made friends with it quickly. And everyone struggled to do that on the 20 bike. And I think from then on, they've been trying to keep that extra power that that funneling the air through past the steering head, chassis is totally different, um, had the extra power, but to get that feel back that they had. And Frankie, I could tell, had a step forward with it. But that was the shiny bike and uh, unpainted one in uh, Valencia test. But Fabio said he didn't notice the difference. There was no difference. But that's because Fabio already had the bike. He already had that chassis from Mazzano tests. You know, this was an upgrade, but he didn't, meaning it had some bracing around the steering head under the front of the, where you traditionally is the fuel tank, had some welding and bracing there, but Fabio couldn't feel the difference between the Mazzano test chassis that he got and this. But Franco, this is the first time he's, been in a good uh, frame of mind and tried it and he liked it so but basically it sounds like he's liking the Mizano chassis you see what I mean so they had different aero there it was uh, like kind of like the KTM one that uh, Binder liked it, these two big <laughs> square wings one on one both are on each side you know um, and I think, like you said earlier, we can all see that, that that's going to give some more downforce. <laughs> Big surface area, kind of double wing square thing. Uh, also, the tail wings on the back. Also, some, you know, the little Yamaha have only got those little, about this size, wings on each side of the belly pan, uh, front of the belly pan, near radiator sort of area. Different shape of those. Uh, Fabio sounded like liked much like Binder and which is correct uh, felt that there was more downforce less wheelie but got to look at the data and double check everything that we're not losing lots of top speed because Valencia let's face it doesn't have much top speed but it's a good track to test anti-wheelie you know whatever it is devices electronics um, and aero because there's lots of slow corners that you're driving off uh, anything else Yamaha wise? Um, that's all I can think of. Yeah, not I think we much. just need to champion Fabio's year as well, don't we? We uh, bigged up Brad Binder, fanboyed over Brad Binder. I think we need to 
fanboy a little bit Wee. over Fabio because he was, yeah, I, I led the charge on that one, but you joined in, didn't you? Um, yeah, I think we just need to quickly mention Fabio's year because obviously Pecco was outstanding as well, fully deserved the title. Fabio obviously took it down to the last race of the year, the decider. I think the start of the race ultimately cost him a chance of victory. I don't know if you agree with that. The battle with Jack Miller and then obviously Pecco as well. And then the gap was just a little bit too big, wasn't it? I think it was two and a half seconds to the front group. Um, but just a few thoughts on Fabio's season because it was unbelievable. Like you say, it was an underpowered Yamaha and he, yeah, rode the thing like like crazy, didn't he? He was just fabulous. I totally agree with you. And the night before, I thought, oh, it's going to be hard and it could go either way. But I really think... Mm-hmm. Right at the days before, I really think that Fabio can do it. You know, he can win it. Yeah. And the thing was, with an inline bike, you need that start, like Rins did, <laughs> so you can yeah. run your lines, run your lines, and there's no V4 stopping in the middle of the corner, stopping your corner speed, and to be able to do the lap times. And I would have loved to see if Fabio had got out with Alex. You know, and not had V4s banging into the side of them or <laughs> having to bang into the side of them, whatever it was. Uh, if he, because I think he could have, he could have, he could have run. That's only my opinion. Could have run with no, Alex, and we that would have been interesting to see what happened. Um, uh, not taking anything away from what Alex did, we'll get back to that. That was amazing. Um, yeah, but we knew that without the front row. Without the start, it's always a nightmare for the inline machine. So, and Alex Rins showed what you can do if you you do that, get a magic start, and uh, and you can ride like those two. So, just a little thing on Fabio's year is just standing back looking. The last two years, I've seen Fabio fight like unbelievable <laughs> against faster machinery trying to make up the difference doing some spectacular stuff um and both seasons sorry fabio but both seasons are tapered off a little bit at the end not all his fault aragon sure wasn't i had him up for for a podium there wasn't his fault um the wet the rain turned up right where again he i had him down for a podium you know in thailand um so not all his fault but some of it in general was also, you know, um, but I purely think that is because he's had to push so hard. And how do you go to so many races pushing up to that level, you know, trying to make up the deficit? And I think it must be mentally so hard, draining, knowing that you've got to do something extra special now extra special but you've got to do that every session you know i think that was interesting (laughs) as well in when we got to sepang and it was like genuinely now if you don't make this happen you're out of it (laughs) it's like something just disappeared and it like from australia obviously a tough one buriram a tough one that dip seemed to be over again in malaysia where it was like it kind of walked back in like, oh, I'm Fabio Quattararo, let's go. And I feel like we got that back in Malaysia and Valencia. Obviously, sadly, in Valencia, didn't quite able to, wasn't quite able to do it. But 
yeah, it seemed like that dip, like it felt like the screw was just tightening and tightening and tightening from sort of Assen onwards. But then in Malaysia, it was like, this shouldn't really be on the podium, but I will put it there. Let's go and uh, <laughs> <Again>. <laughs> let's go and enjoy some Prosecco. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. it was yeah. a great. Bang on. I don't know. I really enjoyed yeah. just the way he was because he seemed fairly destroyed after Australia, and then just the way he was in everything in Sepang, like stealing that camera and all of that stuff. It's like ah, <laughs> this is the person who won in Portimao. Welcome back, and we're very happy to see you because you're great. It seemed like a conscious effort too that he knows that he's the best when he's smiling and relaxed and having a laugh, not stressed and uh, grumpy. And you know he can do something special then. And uh, I think he was fantastic this year. I so yeah. hope Yamaha get a bit of that feeling back, the turning that they lost in nineteen, get another step, and they find out what was wrong, what was wrong with that engine because I think it's there. We saw it in Mizano. I saw it with my own eyes how fast it was, how better yeah, it was. Literally. So I think they're going to find where, where it went missing. And... <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Hopefully it's literally just mixed labels. <laughs> um, but right, okay, so the final one then, Honda. Uh, the as we, we said earlier in the season, Fabio is like the blue Marquez. Let's talk about the Marquez, <laughs> number 93. Bit of a warning shot at the end of the test. We can't fight for the championship on this bike. They've obviously also got Alex Rins, Joanne Mir joining them. I say Alex Rins because we've already talked about him. Sorry, Joanne. I know you won the championship in 2020. Uh, and then obviously Tacker for a little bit of consistency uh, remains there after some injury struggles. But he did get a few things on Tuesday as well. Where do you want to start with Honda, Simon? I'll leave it with you. Take well, us, take us away. Let's overall. An overall of... Um, well, first of all, well, you mentioned Mark. Um I've seen a bunch of quotes from press and that uh, slamming Honda, you know, I listened to his debrief and I really appreciate his honesty. I don't think he was kicking Honda at all. He was just saying the truth where they are and it wasn't too brutal. I listened to it, the recording, you know, it was basically saying that the bike that they turned up with, was a little stronger front end wise, but it lost some drive wise, you know, uh, and they don't have any spare to lose a rear grip wise. That's one of the weaknesses of the Honda. Um, I throw through that last bit in. He was just saying stronger, better on the front end, but we lost some in another area. And overall, the bike's the same sort of lap time, you know, and uh, no point doing a time attack because it's, you know, basically he can do that. It's the problem is the race pace, you know, to, to be competitive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think he was really fair and really honest. And I really appreciate that because uh, when riders have to cover up the truth, it's, it's boring for us, you know, and uh, yeah, so they're in trouble, you know, and the scary thing is they've been trying all season, you know, with a umpteen number of chassis and uh you know from last year's bike uh to the 22 bike which had a sounds like engine in a different position uh rear wood and it seems like they're going around around in circles but not finding a real step forward and to me it's really worrying really scary to be at the beginning 
of the 23 season at the first test and be no further forward, you know. Uh, even engine-wise, uh, Mark said that he had had a little bit more talk, but not enough to fight with the opposition, you know. Uh, so Honda have the biggest winter of everyone, <laughs> you know, to turn up. And and their test team as well. I imagine, you know, they're, they've, they're going to have to build a heap of things and get a heap of testing done to just to get to where I think KTM is now has found something to work with, you know? That's my impression. I'm not trying to be harsh. It's my honest opinion of what I've felt. And also atmosphere in gar- garages, you know? Um, just the look of we don't know how to fix this or where to go next because we've tried everything. That's the feeling I get, you know? So, uh, like I said, it's really interesting, this battle of... Um, these two giants, you know, of the motorcycling world, KTM and Honda, uh, because in Le Mans is when I first saw it, said it. This is where I see them both. The riders are saying similar comments. The the machines, KTM and Honda, are similar, you know. KTM came into the sport, hired a lot of Honda guys, uh, built something around the similar to uh, the winning bike at that time probably not imagining that the winning bike's going to start <laughs> heading down that way. So they followed, you know, and it was super interesting for me to see who's going to start first rising out of that lull, figuring out what it is that they need to change. And to me, even KTM's at the moment, in my opinion, ahead of Honda on that uh, rise back out from this tough time, you know. So it's interesting. Rider wise, rider wise, I've got to just quickly mention. No, go for it. The rider lineup Honda have is (laughs) exciting. I mean, you know, they've, like you said, consistency. Tucker, they, it was pretty clear that Ogura didn't want to move up. He didn't feel he was ready. I really admire that. I love the way he just said, well, it was, was, I didn't want to, you know. (laughs) Just said no. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, also, would you want to get on it right now? <laughs> like exactly, I wouldn't. Exactly, I wouldn't wait for them to get on the rise back out, then jump over. You know, good on your eye, clever boy. <laughs> um, the other thing is uh, Rins and Mia. I admire both those riders; they're awesome. And then they're next to Mark Marquez. Honda, in my opinion, have the strongest rider lineup on the grid. You know, and uh, like if you give those three winning bikes, we're going to see some Hondas yeah. up there, you know. And so it's down to it's in the, the balls in Honda's court, you know. They've got three, I think, giants of our sport ready to go. And uh, yeah, it's going to be super interesting what they turn up with in, uh, in sorry, Malaysia because man of they you know they're a giant they really are i'm not exaggerating am i you know and they're going to be pulling all the stops out going and i can't wait to see what they turn up with (laughs) sorry um, kuala lumpur i keep wanting to say valencia as well i'm getting very confused (laughs) um (laughs) yeah i'm always confused (laughs) you're you're never confused come on uh well i don't know is there anything anything else that we think we've missed off from this just something so, more I mean, on the... Honda. Go on. No, go on, sorry. Go on, sorry. 
No, no, just we, what I didn't do with, for the people that like the details is where Honda are struggling. And yeah, the crazy thing it. is they are losing clearly to Ducati, but I would say pretty much everyone on scrubbing that speed off quickly, you know, getting the bike to stop early on quick. Then they've, they're lacking, I mean, which is lap time, you know, the, that is super important. Then... Uh, especially to do it safely, you know, to scr scrub that speed off. I think all the manufacturers have been working on and improving in that area in the last couple of years. Then, uh, you know, especially since aero has turned up in the devices, it's why the front tyres are overheating, getting so so much stress. We may be able to touch on that too. Put that one down as I want to bring up. Um, then they've got a lack of front feel as they go into the corner, that's why we see so many crashes, but also because they haven't got the speed already scrubbed off. They're, <laughs> they're putting too much stress on that front, and you know. Then the thing hasn't got good rear contact, meaning the front, uh, sorry, the rear on the ground to try and help stop that bike. Like I mentioned, the, the Ducati is so good at uh, the rear helping the bike stop so you don't have to load that front so good. Uh, Mark, Like Mark pointed out, the rear's always off the ground, you know. Um, then they have a lack of rear grip as well. I mean, so, and then in Malaysia, it was obvious that they had a lack of speed, you know. So right now, it is, I, it's the first time ever I've been able to say, I, I can't see a strong point, you know, which is yeah. damn scary I think, if you're well, a Honda rider. You say that though, you can see a strong point because the strong point is most definitely, first of all, Mark and then Alex Rins and Juan Mir. They do have the that going for them. Point, but they can only ride around so much. And I think the gap oh, is no, too 100%. big for they can't any keep of them making to be miracles. But do you think as it's an interesting one as well in terms of like we said about Miller going to KTM and using that first run to be like, okay, how is this different to the Ducati? I remember one really funny comment a few years ago when I think Ianone switched to the Aprilia as it was at the time and was like, these are basically just not electronics, which is a bit <laughs> brutal. But obviously going from the Suzuki as it was then to that was like, oh, wow, okay. But it's interesting <laughs> to me that Honda have contracted both the Suzuki riders who are both coming from an inline four. And yes, they're both great riders, but what is an interesting one because they could have potentially played it a little bit wider and picked a few from different places who, who, well like for example sorry to know. put you on the spot but i'm trying to think <laughs> of someone that i would take over those two amazing riders you know like one's won a world championship i'm not saying and, i uh, would kind of has a v4 okay okay i think they've done they've played a blinder you know considering <laughs> they didn't really have a bike to entice them over um yeah they obviously uh i mean my guess is they paid juan well otherwise he wasn't going to do it uh, he's a proven world champion and got a in my opinion a v4 style and then uh alex poor old alex was probably left with there wasn't any other bikes on the grid um and he's great rider. They probably stole him, you know, poor old Alex. But um, the the result is that they've got the strongest liner lineup rider wise on the grid, in my opinion. And uh, now the ball's in their court. Let's hope they can do something with it because they've got an awesome opportunity. 
Mark made a, a point about the rider lineup. He said, obviously, they've got himself. He's got they've got Joanne Mir and they've got Alex Rins. Obviously, won two of the last three races. He said, I, I pitched the question of it's a huge winter for yourself and Honda. Obviously, for Mark to get fully fit again, and he replied with it's a huge winter for Honda. Mark knows what he's got to do. He's going to do it. But Honda also needs to know what they're going to do. But are they going to be able to do it? Because, like you say, Sai, they've got Rins, Mir. Mark Marquez, Tack has shown glimpses of speed in the past as well. He's not a bad rider by any means. Um, he's got to sort his hand injury out. He's got to have another surgery with that, which didn't help them during the test. It's a it's a huge winter. And it's a shame, again, we couldn't hear from Mir and Rins about their actual thoughts on the first day on the Honda, comparing it to the Suzuki, because we weren't allowed to ask. I think the lap time showed it. As much as I wasn't yeah, watching but, the lap times, yeah, exactly. they struggled yeah. to get to where they'd want to be. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it took a long time to get there. Yeah. So that kind of showed us. Uh, You've mentioned something about Tucker. Uh, the value of Tucker is like having the value of Cal uh, when he mm-hmm. was doing the races. They can, during the season, test with Tucker, which yeah. where a racer can't. You know, there's not enough time. Um, so I'm sure... Their idea is to use Tucker for that, is to go, and, and Tucker, I believe, knows it. He said something in Japan that kind of let me know that he um, will let us all know that that's what he's thinking. He's up for it. Is he His job is not to aim at the best result, although, of course, he's going to do that. It is to run through things the whole weekend, even if it's going to handicap him. He'll go, okay, yeah. yeah, bolt that in. I'll tell you what it does. Uh, try a tyre that they haven't tire, tried yet. You know what I'm saying. I think it's going to be valuable yeah. for that. I feel like the value of Tacker as well in many ways, because Honda have got the change with Rins and Mayer coming in, um, is that he's not Mark Marquez. He knows the bike, and he he's not one of, arguably the greatest. Everyone from the VR46 camp, feel free to come and argue about that. We love the debate because <laughs> they're both incredible. But one of the true, true, true greats at controlling a motorcycle is it. it's always going to be good to have a good, talented, but much more normal rider who will be able to test those things for you as well and not just pull a miracle out straight away. It's like Casey Stoner. I I would struggle to take Casey's feedback as a test rider because it's like, but you can make it do everything. (laughs) True. Yeah, that's true about Casey. Um, Yeah, bang on. I think the main thing is having a rider uh, that can ride within one second of your fastest rider. to test your bike, you know. Uh, actually, it was Marco, who is Michele Piro's crew chief, that said that, those words. They're not mine. And um, he said that's part of the value of the test team, is, and that's why they go forward, is having a rider that's within a second, can ride within a second. They test at Mizano a lot, Jello, and, and he can go within a second of, Banyoya's best, you know, which yeah. means they've got real feedback. And I think Tucker can do that. So they can try things on Tucker. So, yeah, there's a real value to it. Cool. Well, should we wrap up then on a random little, we love you, Tucker, and excited to see what <laughs> you can do next year. Um, can I, I think tell we've you gone a, through... a worry of mine uh, that I wanted to bring up? I don't, I don't know if I meant to, but it's a worry of mine is this front tyre <laughs> pressure 
thing. Uh, I've seen so much of it the last couple of years, last three, and uh, they're policing it a lot more strict next year because everyone will have the same sensor, which makes sense, you know, um, that they can't police it close enough now. We should actually say that. For those of you who maybe only saw one side of that story, the data that quote-unquote leaked uh, from earlier this season, that is data provided as part of the testing process to design or to choose the spec sensor from next year. Uh, so it wasn't that anyone was being illegal, it's that everyone was giving their data to... Because obviously if everyone's using different sensors, you have no idea what the margin is with each one. But... Yeah, just wanted to say that as a little disclaimer for everyone who got immediately angry at one rider or another. Friend, um, the truth <laughs> can ruin a good story. You know? so, <laughs> hey, um, so Danny Aldridge, Danny Aldridge explained it on the live to me during the test that um, the sensors at the moment are not only different, but the the way that information is passed can be tampered with so you can make it look higher or lower you know by putting some resistor or whatever in the line uh, where next year they will not only have the same sensors but they'll have encrypted way to get it there so there's no tampering you know but the 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 worry my side is not that the worry on my side is there's so much heat that comes off these bikes i mean I'm, this is a rough idea from me. Uh, say the thing's doing 16,000 RPM, the four strokes every second fire, so they're pumping out a litre every second. So 8,000 litres of burning hot air pouring out the back of that thing, as well as glowing exhaust pipes, brakes, radiators, engines. It's mental heat coming off the back of them. You only have to start stand behind them, hey, Elliot, when they're warming up, and you're not yeah. even getting the engine heat, you're only getting the exhaust heat. That's all you're getting, yeah. and it's, wow. It's like nice on a cold morning in Valencia. Um, <laughs> but what I'm saying is a couple of them ahead of you, a group of them ahead, uh, on top of all the stress you're putting on the front tire, roasts you, like roast the front tire is really makes it rise uh the riders complaining i feel really sorry for them when they've got a group ahead in thailand or malaysia where it's already sweltering you know you're already drenched is brutal you know and what i've what i understand from talking to a few different people is that you have to set your tire pressure it's it's front not the, the rear is not such a problem you have to set your front tire pressure on a on a scenario of a race so you've got to imagine am i going to be in the group or am i going to be alone and set your tire pressure on that because more than one team has pointed out to me that they've seen the data they've been in the group and they've got the pressure right it's bang on that's <laughs> where they expected to be they're in the group and they've got the pressure right it's working you know it's in the right range too high the ride is going to crash or or streak backwards trying not to crash because it's so much pressure in there, little contact patch and no grip, no feel, you know, locking up. Then they do a long lap penalty or run off the track, come back on there alone, and it drops. They're doing the same lap times, but it drops to the point where 
next year they'll get banned, you know, like, sorry, what's the word? Excluded from the race because it's dropped below the minimum, you know? And I'm really interested to see how this is going to play out. So I think this is, don't quote me, don't quote me, but I think it's a window, isn't it? It's not a for however much time on this lap it dropped below this. Is it 70%? That it should a, be within on a lap, particular parameters. On a lap, it has to be, uh, it's only a small amount, but it has to be within the minimum in that range uh, for a short amount of time. It's only a little, you know, but it has to touch on that, you know, so you're close to the minimum uh, each lap. If you do your lap and it doesn't touch on that minimum for a certain amount of time, it's only short, your lap's cancelled, you know, qualifying. That's what I've been told. Then in the race, okay. again, it's a percentage of the race that it has to touch in there. But all I'm saying is it's it's already difficult. You've got to choose if you're in a group or not. You're either going to be risking the right of crashing or getting yeah. now. So and then you I, get I a start like Peko at Sepang and the plan is completely out the window because you've gained <laughs> seven places in seven metres. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, just one other thing. Uh, so I said, why don't you run nitrogen, not dry air? And Piero Taramaso said there is... Uh, very, very little difference. Teams have tested it. And of course I went, I don't believe you inside. <laughs> you <know>? As <laughs> nice as Piero is, I'm like, is it, there must be some difference. I looked into it. And if you Google it, if you do a bit of reading, nah, dry air with, you know, air with no humidity is more or less the same as nitrogen and how it reacts to temperatures. So yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. So uh, I hope it's not as difficult as, um, as that. Okay, well, we will we'll find sure. out, won't we? So, well, let's, one more thing. Sorry, we could go all day, but one more super. I have another super thing important as well. One. I'll go after start. It's about the championship. We've got to finish on, uh, and go plus yours, it. Elliot. We've got to finish on. Is this year Peko won the championship with five DNFs? Um, it's never been done before. Is uh, five right? Five? Is that yeah. What, am I correct? I'm bad with stats. Yeah, I, I held up five. Matt, Matt Sorry, Bird. I don't yeah. Okay. I thought, no, stop. I'm wrong. <laughs> I know. So, Sorry. and the reason is there was, I mean, Mark was injured, out. Um, Fabio's bike wasn't um, up to the job, I think, you know, the job that he was trying to do and uh, can do. Um in general, others had problems, and I don't think it's going to be like that next year. Next year is going to be hard to win, and you can't afford to have those crashes. You know, you can't afford. To I have, think he knows um, that as well, though. I think everyone knows it. I just wanted to make sure the viewers know it. It's going to be a tough one. It's not. You, you can't afford to have those mistakes. So, from the beginning, I think it's going to be everyone at their very best. <clears throat> yeah, I just wanted to mention um, Paula Spargo going back to well, Gas Gas on the RC16, how happy he was to be back on a motorcycle that he enjoyed riding. I think it was like a few laps into his opening run, he sort of got really giddy on the motorcycle. Uh, yeah, did a little did a little dance. I mean, the Spargo's are just... He, Paul said this because I, I asked him about it. He said he's just... He's very hot-blooded. He needs to express his emotions when they come to him. Malaysia is exactly the same, isn't he? Um, but he was, I mean, you've probably all seen it. He was so, so happy to be 
I think just enjoying riding again. And we know how quick Paul was when he was last on the KTM and to see them potentially making a big step forward with their new bike um, and the Gascast team as well have had a lot of new stuff thrown at him. He's got Augusto as his teammate. Um, but that KTM machine slash gas gas, the, the politics there, I won't get into what we're calling it. <laughs> well, there'll be, but... the constructors' points will be split. This is what we yeah, were talking so, about well, before we came okay, on air. We'll, we'll call gas, it the gas gas score bike. as gas gas, uh, like they do yeah. in Moto3. Uh, although, obviously, the, the machinery is uh, pretty similar. Yeah. So it's a KTM so... bike, but it's it's a gas gas. But I'm I'm yeah. super intrigued as to how Paul will go next year because we all know how quick he can be. He fought Mark in Moto Two and beat him in Moto Two. He's a very fast rider, and we all love Paul. Don't we? He's such a a great character to be around, and I'd I'd really enjoy him to be back up and join himself and challenge him for race victories. So I just wanted to point that out because that was one really noticeable thing about the test for me. Yeah. Um... So I tried to do a bit of digging on what he felt and what I got told was that he liked the ability to be tucked in on the bike, hanging off, have his knee and elbow on the ground and the rear wasn't letting go and he felt <laughs> together with the bike again. You know, I heard the second hand, not from Paul. Um, so excuse Paul if that's not completely correct. Um, but... It sounds like he was missing that because that's what he couldn't find the last brand, you know. And uh, I think that's why he was so happy. He felt um, <laughs> gelled together again and riding the bike like he wants to ride, uh, which I can totally understand. The reason, though, that I'm hesitant is I've been really happy to be back on something before. and uh, But it, I was a second off, believing I was going to get that in that last second, and I didn't. You know, there was something uh, missing. So I'm hesitant. I'm not. Yeah. I hope he can do it. I really do. Uh, but don't get excited until it's in that last second because everything changes in there. And uh, sometimes it's possible. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes you hit a wall, you know, and uh, meaning the progress can't can't come. Yeah, a metaphorical uh, wall, love... don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I love the... <laughs> That the Aspargaro brothers, uh, there's kind of, for want of a better way to put it, no filter. It's great for us yeah. and great <laughs> to hear what's really going on, you know, because they are a bit like that and um, fully full of enthusiasm. And no, uh, they're not they're, they're they're not politicians, you know. They just come straight up, <laughs> with it, which is usually great. So, yeah, and Paul is fantastic to have in the press conference, uh, etc., because he speaks really well. So, anyway. Yeah, that's my I think a lesson. Be hesitant. I think a lesson, Paul. So, but, he, but he's timed it right, in my opinion. So good luck, yeah. Paul. I think a lesson Paul would have learned. We're talking about him getting excited, but he also got very excited at the start of last season, this season, whatever you want to call it, at the start of 2022 about the new Honda. And obviously got the podium in Qatar. They got really, really excited. Um, so he... He, he was much more calmer in the interview than he was out on circuit when he was sort of dancing and celebrating. But it, it's Perfect a good example. boost for him. But yeah, they're not. Obviously, he knows all too well now they're not going to get too excited before 
before the first couple of races at least have been done, because obviously pre-season testing in Sepang and I think it's Portimao, there's going to be grip out there and not a true sign of where the bike and rider may be, as we saw with Honda early in the year, but a good sign nonetheless for Paul. Yeah, for sure. And also, it's just nice to see people happy at the end of the day. Exactly. I love motorcycle racing. I love testing and trying to learn more about the tech stuff, which is my weakness, was hurt my feminist heart. But it was just (laughs) nice to see someone go out on Tuesday and just be like, For sure. For sure. <laughs> Absolutely loved it. Um, so yeah, well, I think we'll wrap there then. Thank you so much, Simon, for your time. As always, thank you for the power bank I've inadvertently temporarily stolen from you <laughs> from Sunday. Uh, and thank you for all of your insight. It's always such a pleasure to talk to you and learn from you as well. Pleasure's mine. Thanks for the call, guys. And uh, I look forward to um, Malaysia to see all the new yeah. stuff and what everybody's dug up over the winter so yes yeah. and we look i love my job to i've got to say i think i love it more every year so um you don't have to thank me i'm just um i want to talk same about it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much i was just gonna sign off then with like thanks love you so much <laughs> it's true <laughs> but a little bit of a weird way to say goodbye um thanks so much for everything then simon thanks to you elliot as well although i'm about to see you in a second because we're actually sat in the same room yeah uh, and everyone enjoy the winter thank you so much for joining us on today's episode and throughout the season whether you've been watching listening on audio only if you have anything you want to see change or added or do differently next year or just to say yes i really enjoyed this please get in touch use the hashtag MotoGP podcast or however you wish to let us know we're all on social media and with our real names you can find us if you dare (laughs) Uh, and thank you enjoy the winter and we'll see you again for sprinting into 2023 for the malaysia test bye for now bye bye